Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. Hey, this is Dave Jackson, director of Catsick Blues and co-host of Show Me Something Wrong. You're listening to Sick on Cinema. up fuckers <laughs> we're back this is mild symptoms episode i don't know five five six something like that it's terrible that we can't remember this because it's a very special one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so special we're doing it over zoom instead of in the room like we normally do because we just we just got done you know yes we just got doing our talking. shit you just go cut me off like that son <laughs> Look, we're on a delay, son. <laughs> what is this? The open casket? <laughs> this is the comedy situation. <laughs> no, because we got the important things to get to, like yeah. our interview with Bruce Longo. Yes, Blood Sick Productions, which we're very excited about. We had a nice conversation with the man. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're unfamiliar with his work, well, you need to be getting familiar with his work because he's done Blood Sick Psychosis, A Corpse for Christmas, and something we've already covered on Mild Symptoms, Pumpkin Man Lives. Yes. Um, spoiler, spoiler alert, I'll go ahead and say this real quick. All three of them are fucking great. <laughs> yeah, they're all fucking awesome movies. And again, if you're fans of like, of course, horror, I mean, why else would you be here if you weren't? Um, I only like that episode. They talk about horror adjacent stuff. <laughs> the only episode I like is the Alan Clark one. <laughs> I'm just here when they talk about action stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm here when they talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm just waiting for the the Brumate action episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if you like, if you love horror, some true crime stuff, and of course like heavy metal and punk music, his movies are right up your fucking alley. The only obsession of mine he did not tap into with this movie is pro wrestling. Pro wrestling, I know. <laughs> yeah. If someone that took a bump, he'd be my yeah. new favorite director. There was light tubes in uh Course for Christmas. There was, that is true. Yeah. I kinda of forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, the guy with the helmet on gets hit with fucking light tubes. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah genuinely you know we don't bullshit you we only talk about stuff we really love and this is something we really really love all three yeah. of films are fucking excellent and uh yeah and he's an awesome guy so we're gonna quit rambling and we're gonna cut to the interview so here he is yes. bruce longo and buy his merch buy the buy his merch buy the merch so I think usually the way we start this out, and I think the easiest way to start it out is kind of just start at the beginning and like what got you into movies and what got you into horror. Um, cool. Yeah, good question. Um, I've been watching movies as long as I remember. You know, um, as far as horror goes, um, I uh, I I remember being in like. It was like fourth or fifth grade being at my buddy Dylan's house and he was um he had like TNT on. I think it might have been like a Joe Bob double feature or something, and it was like it was uh Nightmare on Elm Street three and and then like one of the Chucky movies. And for whatever reason, Chucky like did not freak me out, but like Freddie just like scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And, you know, it's, I mean, the, the movies, like, uh, part three especially, uh, is, like, pretty, um, I mean, it's pretty wild with all, like, the, the with all the, the suicide-looking deaths, you know, like, where everyone looked like suicide. And I think in, like, fourth grade, like, suicide just, like, was hardly a concept that I was, like, really, like, ever thought about or anything like that. And, I don't know, something about that movie and Freddy, like, stuck with me. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. He's still like one of my favorites of like the big like uh, franchises. I don't watch a lot of those movies anymore, but um, but that that was probably like one of the earliest things. And then like I don't know, maybe a little bit later. Like I remember like when um, uh, Scream came out, like watching it, like uh, like my brother's birthday, like they like snuck a copy of Scream, and I was like, I think I was like thirteen when it came out, so like not like super young, but like probably still young for too young for like some stuff like that and um and watching texas chainsaw massacre in uh in my drug dealer's basement uh when i was in like 15 16 <laughs> uh that kind of stuff is sort of like um that, i mean that stuff that got me into horror for sure but i delved into like the weirder more independent stuff like once i discovered like hollywood video and they carried like uh all like the the weird independent stuff and like the mom and pop shops too, you know, like you could find like the really weird videos. That's the stuff that like I really connected with, you know? Yeah. And like when you like get into horror, it's such a strange thing too. Cause it's like, you know, it's almost like always like chasing that dragon. Like you always remember like the first thing you saw that like really scared right. you. And then from then on out, it's like, can I find anything that's on that level ever again? <laughs> right. Right. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, it was like, High school through like, I don't know, like late teens, like, you know, I was like just watching all the classic slashers, you know, like 80s stuff. And and then I remember like when I first moved to the city in Philly, you know, like going to like a a TLA video and renting uh, uh, Jorg Buchreit movies like Necromantic and and that changed my perspective on movies. I was like, oh, there's like this whole other weird dark side that's not just like, you know, like knives, slashers, and tits, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Art can be so much weirder. <laughs> and that sort of like opened me into like a whole other weird side of like just, I don't know, bizarre, more art house or extreme 
films, you know? Mm-hmm. What made you want to make the, the jump into making movies? Um, you know, I attribute that to, there's a, uh, director named, uh, Chris Eber, who, um, I found him in the early days of Netflix when Netflix first came out, like they had like a, like a weird streaming catalog before you could even stream on TVs. You could just watch it on like your computers. And uh, it was like lots and lots of B horror. And I remember watching some Chris Eber stuff I had found there. And I was like, this looks so fun i was like these guys made this for nothing you know <laughs> and it and it looks like they had like a great time doing it and um and to me that was like just so inspiring you know like i'd seen plenty of low budget stuff before but like you know like a low budget studio movie even independent film is still like i don't know like a, a decent amount of money and you watch chris Eve and you're like you probably spent hundred bucks so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it's far more entertaining than a lot of other stuff out there that was made on like million dollar budgets and um i don't know, to me that was just like super inspiring um just like seeing just what seems like you know like young kids fucking around and like making something like really fun that was seen by thousands of people on netflix i don't know like to me that was like super inspiring me and uh that's what made me want to uh make a movie um i tried a long time ago to make a movie which uh it did not go well uh, wasn't super happy with what we were getting movie never came out or anything um <clears throat> and for a while i thought that would just be it but then a few years later i started doing um music videos and claymation animation and that sort of like went pretty that started to go pretty well and after like I had some success with that for a few years, I finally gave film another chance. You know, mm. it's so interesting you bring up like Netflix because I think about that era a lot. Like I constantly mm-hmm. remember like in one day watching Redneck Zombies, Scrapbook, yeah. Slaughter Vomit Dolls on Netflix. <laughs> Slaughter Vomit Dolls was on Netflix. Yeah, Slaughter Vomit Holy Dolls was on Netflix. <laughs> it was a wild time. Uh, I, <laughs> was, I I still haven't even seen that. Um, but that that dude scares me. I don't. Know. <laughs> right, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> um, yeah, what's is Lucifer? That's his name, right? Yeah, Lucifer Valentine. Right. Yeah. a lot of like puking stuff right like a lot of his movies like weird fetish puke stuff (laughs) yeah that's pretty much yeah (laughs) yeah i'll like probably give it a give him a fair chance eventually but i haven't i haven't braved any of his movies yet he's i'm very familiar with who he is and what he does but i just haven't watched him yet I never knew he was like that. That's crazy. It was a weird time, man. <laughs> it was the Wild West. Yeah, yeah, it was. Now it's like you get nothing but like polished turds on Netflix anymore, you know? Yeah, unfortunately. So around the time you uh, discovered Chris Sievert, had you already started getting into SOV stuff? Um, I didn't really know what SOV was, you know. Um, I had like, like to me, like trauma was like the weirdest shit i'd ever seen probably you know so i didn't yeah i didn't really know the term sov or or anything like that um around the same time that i discovered chris siever i I think like very soon i'm not sure if it was right after like or right around the same same time uh i found like tim ritter and uh you know i mean i started with truth or dare and stuff you know which is not sov but like you know once i love that you know i started 
diving into the rest of his catalog and you know a lot of that stuff is shadow video um so yeah like um so yes yeah, i think Tim, yeah tim ritter and siever like are the the two like sov guys that like were very early into into me like digging you know yeah um yeah tim ritter like he, he's one of the guys that like um like helped me like get into this stuff like real hardcore like when it was like the shot on video stuff like I, i'd seen like you know polonia brothers and um uh i trying to think of other names and my brain's not working <laughs> but yeah like I, but, i've seen a lot of that stuff but, i um, i unfortunately discovered later polonia before like their their amazing sov oh, like no. I, the oh. first the first <laughs> polonia movie i ever saw i think was like splatter beach i think it was called that's oh. but and i watched it because it was like misty monday was in it and i was like super into those like alternative cinema and like bill hellfire movies and then i and i watched it and i was like oh well this sucks i was like <laughs> and then like somebody told me i was like oh yeah you must be a big polonia fan right i was like oh splatter beach is hard but then i was like no there's you just gotta go back further and there's like amazing lots of amazing work you know mm. and they're they're PA, pa guys they're like pretty close to to where i live you know so at least didn't know that. yeah at least at least that's where they started i have no idea where uh mark is now but um yeah they were yeah they're like uh sort of pencil tucky dudes you know mm-hmm what made you want to make like stuff shot on video uh because that's what i watch the most of now you know um and uh i find that stuff the most interesting um uh, there's you get pretty much no rules uh that when that whole that and that whole thing i mean it's like people are just doing stuff in their backyards and uh with no uh not much you know interference from producers or anything it's people are and it's like weirdos that just want to make their own story you know whether they know how to do it or not and um i, I always just like found those type of movies fascinating and um and i also think that video is a really cool aesthetic like i love the look of uh of vhs uh i love lo-fi and um especially compared to if you want to make a cheap movie today and you're shooting digital i think most like digital cameras just like they just like love kind of like flat and boring but uh a vhs camcorder <laughs> that's 25 years old like i think instantly makes your movie look like 20 years older it's just like uh it looks like a vintage movie whether it's i can, I can shoot something today and i'm like you know somebody i i feel like <laughs> If I don't have like a car or something or like an iPhone in it, like it could look like it was made in, mm-hmm. in the nineties, you know? Yeah. I just I love the aesthetic, you know. And uh and that's what I like, you know, those are the movies I like. So I like to want to do something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's something like I pretty much like picked up on, you know, pr- pretty fast with like you know, you your uh your first feature of Blood Six Psychosis. Like mm-hmm. it it's you know, it's one of those movies that like you really can't like pinpoint what time it was made, but it's like, well, it's one of those things that where, you know, like it's more modern, but it looks way older, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like my Honda's in it, but I tried to do like a good job of like not showing flat screen TVs or cell phones and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know? But, um, 
Yeah, you know, that's what I, you know, I try I try to make it look kind of timeless, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you can only do so much if you're just shooting out in the wild, but um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I like the old the old vintage look. Yeah, there's not much that like dates a movie more than seeing like a like one of the older like <laughs> models of like like smartphones like in, right like, from like like the early 2010s. It's like oh, I have this like iPhone like four or whatever, and it's like <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. The um yeah I mean if if you watch Corpse for Christmas you'll see like uh, I use like all kinds of old cell phones in it because like you know like a cell phone, like phones were just like kind of like important to that story but I was like all right no iPhones I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig up the oldest phones that I can find and so I've got like flip phones and there's like an old Nokia and everything I tried to find phones that were from like like 98 through like oh four <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh it's you'll see a lot of phones that shouldn't all be in the same in the same year but <laughs> you know. i mean i think it works because it's one of those things mm-hmm. it's, like it, it's a uh it's, it's almost like a smaller detail more than anything like i feel like someone's got to really really pay attention to those phones to be like wait a minute <laughs> you know yeah the uh you know it's funny is that the one actor <clears throat> um uh nikki who uh played dylan in that movie he um you know i was I, I was like scouring the internet to find an old flip phone that that could still like work somehow and get like text messages <laughs> because i wanted some text to be in the, in the movie and then it turned out the actor nikki like he has like a like a new flip phone that like is function like that's the phone he uses regularly and i was like i don't even know they made this shit still you know like, yeah it doesn't quite look like the flip phones from from back then but like it's close enough yeah. hmm what are, uh, um, what are some of the positives and negatives of shooting on video um well i mean uh, i think i like for the most part kind of covered what i like about it but it, as far as negatives go um you're dealing with um old old technology you know and um it doesn't always function perfectly uh because of that uh with blood six psychosis, I had uh, we had three different camcorders, and um, one of them stopped working almost immediately. Um, and then we had another one that uh, it mostly worked fine up until a point, and then all of a sudden, I think we just overworked it, you know, because we would would shoot uh, long hours sometimes, and uh, it started making this like weird noise. And and like it turned out that every time we were hearing that noise, the the footage was dropping out to blue screen. Uh, <laughs> and then so I had another camera. Um, it was like this old Quasar uh, camera, and I was like, "All right, let's try this thing." And um, I don't know for whatever reason we filmed we filmed like a one day with it at. Uh, this drive-in theater it was like it was like the last night the drive-in was open of the season because we were filming in october and for some reason like the first 30 minutes of footage was all completely like fucked like like not just tracking lines but everything's just like wavy like like 
pretty much unusable. But then after that, everything was like kind of okay. <laughs> so then I had to buy a new camera. I ended up finding like the same exact model as the, the, the JVC we were shooting on, but it was brand new in the box. So oh, I wow. found one on eBay, bought that. And so far, that camera has been working perfectly ever since. We shot all of Corpse of Christmas on that camera and and the end of like our not necessarily like the end it but like the last uh couple days of filming a blood sick on that and so far it's been working great you know so i'd say yeah yeah i mean <laughs> you never you never know what's gonna go wrong with analog you know right. yeah <laughs> yeah uh, um, there's also like more limited things like you know like you don't really have much for like lenses um like for, you know like if you you're not going to get a lot of like diversity on like what your shots are going to look like and stuff you know like we actually just filmed like a this like short segment on an iphone um i think it's just gonna be like a two or three minute short and uh i didn't really want to do it at first you know but like with my partner michael um he's my like my dp and co-producer and stuff and um he like we just really wanted to try doing something on an iphone and like he convinced me honestly like it looks really cool um and it's like you, you get like some weird looks that you'll never get on vhs i probably won't do that for a feature ever you know but like mm. messing around for a short it, it looked pretty cool so but yeah I don't know. I love the aesthetic of vhs but like yeah it's definitely not as diverse as, as some more modern cameras you know? Um, so something I, I want to bring up real fast is, like, you know, it has a, a very much a relation with shot on video. How did you become familiar with David the Rock Nelson? Okay. Um, so <clears throat> have you ever seen any of his movies before? I have not. I've only seen the, like, bit of the, the like, trailer compilation that you guys had on Pumpkin Man Lives. Right. Gotcha. So the thing is with David, uh, the only way to buy his movies right now is to um, to get the mail order. You know, he like he doesn't have a website. He doesn't have PayPal or Venmo. You got to send him a check or money order in the mail. He's got like there's the psychotronic website has like an order form that you can print out. (laughs) <laughs> click which check which ones you want it's like it's like how you would order movies in the 80s and 90s out of the back of a catalog or something you know <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> he's so old school um and um so i had to see his movies you know so i was like all right well i guess i'm i guess i'm gonna do that you know so i ended up you know sending him a letter and stuff and I bought a ton. I bought pretty much everything he has over the last eight or nine years or so. So, but once I started buying from him, you know, he would send me like uh, like a letter back, and he would send like just like I don't know, like pictures of himself and newspaper clippings and stuff <laughs> that he was in, and just like really like fun extra stuff that I didn't ask for, you know. And um, um, and we just got to be kind of like like pen pals over the years, you know. So yeah, uh, when I first went to go make my you know my first movie blood sick right um originally you know like um i'm like <laughs> i'm like pretty good friends like mostly through my mom from this like one like like uh 80s actress named uh her name's marcia carr right she was in like she's like the star of killer workout and she was in maniac cop and <laughs> savage streets some other stuff right 
so like my initial thought was like i wanted her to play like the uh <laughs> the the reporter um but she's not she's not in the area so much anymore but um but she was going to do it and then like something happened where like you know she was supposed to be in town for like a week and end up being like more like a day or two and she just didn't have the time for it so like last minute i was like well who else do i know that we can do this with and um I don't know. My buddy uh, Ryan, who was running sound for me, just suggested David, and um, I didn't think he would want to do it, you know, because his movies are very—they're uh, like very like family friendly, like PG stuff, and um, Bloodsick was not that at all. But uh, but I ended up pitching it to him anyway, and um, <laughs> he had he had stipulations he had notes he wanted to change some of the dialogue but he was down to do it so um and i'm really glad it happened that way because now he's like a really good friend and we work together a lot now you know um, yes like I, I become i became familiar with him through the the most recent like uh blue skull book that's you know yeah. that talks about you know 90s and um you know, et cetera, like SOV and pretty much stuff like the devil ant and stuff like that. I'm like, what is this? And then like see- seeing that he was, you know, involved with you, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Here? <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, bleeding skull, like Joe, uh, Joe Ziemba and Zach Carlson, I, you know, they've been on, uh, the rock has been on their radar for much longer than mine. Um, <laughs> they, um, <clears throat> bleeding skull is awesome you know back when it was just like a website i had read um their reviews back then and then zach carlson from bleeding skull actually made like a little documentary through vice about david uh and his first trip to philadelphia where he did a film fest at uh Philomoka, which mm-hmm. is um uh, a theater that um i'm at all the, all the time we filmed C- corpse christmas there actually and um and so, yeah, I mean, so he's gotten like some exposure from Bleeding Skull is like so kind to him. You know, I think a lot of people know him through those guys, through the through their documentary and through through the book and, and the website. Um, yeah, I mean, their reviews about him were like, I mean, that's like the first thing. They're probably the first people to ever write about him in like a positive way. You know, like Draculina and um, uh, was uh, Jared Bookwalter used to have a magazine that um, blanking on the name right now but they both gave him really horrible reviews back in the 90s you know but bleeding skull was probably like the first film writer to give them like like really fair and like nice reviews um but i know he's not for everyone and not it does his 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 style doesn't click for everyone's brains but for me it's like amazing and magical um and uh, yeah bleeding skull yeah they they got it you know <laughs> yeah which is funny too because like um they, they don't write positive reviews for everybody <laughs> you know right like there's there's movies like sov movies that people are like you know are big fans of they've been like this sucks so <laughs> yeah it's very interesting to see that and like i remember like seeing some of the screenshots they had from those movies and being like this is super interesting so it's like seeing him get involved with you know with you and blood sick and uh of course for christmas and pumpkin man lives pumpkin man lives is also very interesting because it's essentially like a um would you describe it as almost like a a sequel 
to the fran- to that franchise? It yeah, I mean so the way he had pitched it, you know, um I so I had played his original Punkaman saga at Philomoka um uh I, maybe about 2 years ago now and um and like got a great response and like he was like really excited to see uh to see it play publicly like that, you know, which he doesn't really get a lot of like screenings like that um and when he saw like the like the the crowd response you know i sent him a bunch of like pictures of like the crowded theater and stuff and the applause and stuff and so i think him seeing that response like like uh made him like really happy and he was and he just like randomly pitched he's like how would you like to make a pumpkin man sequel you know because his movie he had made five shorts five Mm -hmm. pumpkin man shorts um from like 93 up to like 04 or something so um so he basically was like yeah you can do whatever you want and you should call it pumpkin man lives he gave me a title and like that that was pretty much it um so yeah i mean i so i was like down you know i was like you know he, he does all my stuff for me i was like i'd love to make like a you know uh, a pumpkin man movie so i tried to make it though i was like i know a lot of people are gonna see it without seeing his stuff so i didn't want it to be like uh just like a pumpkin man part six i mm-hmm. wanted it to be something that could exist on its own while still like uh paying a lot of tribute to to his movies you know yeah and um so something i'll say too is like i feel like with you know your, your your three movies like it shows the the diversity you have as a filmmaker like bloodsick and corpse for christmas are both you know I, w- I would say horror comedies to an you know to an extent where it's like there's a lot of comedy involved but it's also very you know gruesome and very you know in your face nasty at times mm-hmm. yeah and i try then, not to really write jokes but like uh the the situations and what happens are like kind of like extreme and like uh like you can't not laugh but yeah yeah, i i try to avoid like the like the normal like comedy comedy of like horror um like like no like one-liners and like i don't know shit Mm. like that that just just doesn't interest me but yeah i i do think that they are funny on their like i think most people laugh at them without having like jokes per se if that makes sense you know yeah it's it's almost like um like, 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 for example, not not to like compare the two per se, but it's almost like mm-hmm. seeing like some of the, like the really extreme stuff in like Human Centipede Two, where it's like Jesus Christ, this is so ridiculous, I can't not laugh at times, you know? <laughs> it's like <laughs> right, it's like right. Jesus. But and then you know, Pumpkin Man Lives is very wholesome, even and very yeah. like very. Uh, I would almost describe it as melancholic at times. Yeah, it, it, it really shows like how diverse your stuff is and especially like of course for christmas has elements of both of that yeah um yeah so with with pumpkin man you know david's movies are all pretty wholesome so i wanted to to make sure that uh we didn't offend him with that you know um he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> despite being in blood sick and corpse of christmas he does not like those kind of movies like at all you know <laughs> so um I didn't want to do anything like that for um, for his for his movie, you know. So I had a story that was like, yeah, you know, that I had I had this like short story in my brain about like a 
this like ghost that had you know originally it was more it was even sadder actually it was originally it was like a suicide story about a, a guy who killed himself and then comes back as a ghost to haunt his ex-girlfriend and <laughs> on <laughs> <laughs> but uh but, um so i you know at first he didn't like the fact that i made it sad either he wanted to just be all like silly and fun but so i mm. but i i kind of convinced him to just like to do something that was like sort of a little bit of both you know like a little melancholy and a little silly uh and i i think we found like a cool medium like i think i think pumpkin man was the same kind of thing even during like the sadder stuff like you can't not laugh when a pumpkin cries right i mean (laughs) yeah um yeah yeah, I definitely like like Pumpkin Man Lives. Was, like we're starting with it because it's kind of the first thing we saw of yours, and mm-hmm. like what really drew me in that film and like what made me want to check out more of your stuff was just like there was just such such great moments in it. Like the scene where he's sitting on the couch and like reminiscing about what happened, like his time with yeah. his wife and stuff like that. And I was like, damn, this is right. really really good. Like this is so well Thanks. done. <laughs> nice. That's uh yeah the um. Yeah, so that that's me in that scene. I, I play Pumpkin Man and and Jack, and uh, and it's it's my uh, it's my my real life uh, fiance Sadie in that as well. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just I like the idea of like a sad Christmas. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh, just like a um uh like a lonesome look back on like cheerful times you know like i think that's the spirit of christmas <laughs> yeah it really is. oh yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um to jump back a little bit like where did the ideal for blood sick psychosis come from uh yeah so it's rooted in um uh, a few different uh true crime stories that i've sort of uh obsessed over over the years um there's um but a little bit more than that too you know the, the main character um of Pacey, uh, played by Josh Christensen, uh, is based on uh, the serial killer named Richard Chase, uh, known as the uh, the Vampire of Sacramento. Uh, he um, most of the crimes that that uh, Pacey does in the movie were like right out of uh, Richard Chase's life. You know, he thought that he needed to drink blood to stay alive. He was on a lot of acid, and um, he injected uh, he injected animal DNA. Uh, he would drink drink cat's blood and and uh, rabbit's blood, and uh, and eventually progressed onto human and um, did some really gruesome things. You know, um, he um, yeah he, he he did a home invasion where he. Um, I mean, it might seem like like extreme, like jokey stuff that we put in the movie, but in real life, he did. Uh, he murdered this young woman and uh, replaced her kidney with a pile of dog shit that he had found outside, and then he took back jars of her blood and organs that he would drink and blend up in a in a blender with Coca Cola. Uh, and to me, it's just an insane story. I was like, I was like, this is like. I was surprised there's never been like a movie about him before. They're kind of it. There's this movie called Rampage that's like, but it's more like a courtroom drama about his case, but it's not really like about 
the crimes and the murders, you know? So I just always yeah. thought that it would be like an insane. I always wanted to make a vampire story too, but like, uh, I wanted to keep it rooted in like more of like a, tr- like a true life thing. And so mm-hmm. I thought his story would be really cool. And, just sort of mixing that into like the Philadelphia like punk and metal scene. Um, And then uh, my buddy Francis Kano, uh, who plays Reb in the movie, I just think he's like one of like the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. He's like a total psychopath and uh, probably the closest thing to like a real vampire I've ever met. (laughs) Uh, He's also just like a just like the biggest fucking rock star that I know. He's in like 12 fucking bands like Devil Master and Spider and Cape of Bats and Integrity and shit. And um, so I started writing a character based on him. And there was also kind of like based on um, there was uh, this uh, the, another like sort of like true life vampire guy named Rod Farrell. Uh, that, um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um you know initially i i had envisioned his character as sort of like a rod Farrell, but but like kind of also based on francis in real life and it got the more i wrote it the less he actually seemed like rod Farrell. you know originally it was going to be more of like a he was going to be like the D D, like a role-playing vampire type guy and and then i just sort of modeled him more into like a heavy metal like dude and uh that, that was sort of like a cult <laughs> but initially i kind of based on based on on, on rod Farrell with a little bit of like I kind of had their relation. I wanted their relationship to be sort of like a Columbine type thing, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, like like just like two like psycho friends that go on a rampage together. And um, so I don't know. It's it's like all rooted in like true crime and true stuff, but then sort of like had the characters kind of go their own sort of way. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's that's, that's kind of where it came from, you know. Um, it's it's very interesting too, like. Because I like I'm you know big into like true crime stuff. Like I've you know read plenty of books, listened to podcasts, and watched movies about this stuff. Um, what would you say like was like the first time you became like interested in that stuff? If you don't mind me asking. Sure, no, that's all right. Yeah. Well, when I was in high school, um, <laughs> weirdly enough, right, uh, uh, April twentieth. Right, the big uh, hot smoking day, right? Four twenty. Uh, uh, was um the I think I was uh, um trying to think of the year. I think I was sixteen, whatever. And uh, the first time I ever got high was on four twenty because <laughs> some of my friends in the, in the woods, and you know, we were like um going to high school in the nineties. We were like the weird. Uh, I don't know. We were like the fucking metal goth kids in my school, right? There wasn't a lot mm-hmm. of us, but like, uh, you know, the the style back then was just like I don't know, like the we all had like the trench coats and like uh, the black clothes and shit. And I remember going back to my buddy Ryan's house after smoking in the woods, and he had this like insane like angry biker dad that we like we never knew how like if he was like serious or not and we walked in and he's like you boys just get back from colorado and we were like no idea what he's talking about and he turns on the news and it's like the columbine murders had just happened you know and it was like you know like they're like 
at the time nobody really knew exactly like everything that was happening but uh but you know they they were calling them the trench coat mafia and they they were it was like it was like a marilyn manson fans you know that went on us on the school shooting and um i don't know so to, to that 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 story was like not only just interesting to me but it like stuck through me and my friends in high school like they um they started implementing lots of like weird rules. Like they banned trench coats and like they banned Marilyn Manson t-shirts in my school and stuff. And uh, anyone that was like into like subculture and stuff like that all had to like have these like weird interviews with like guidance counselors and stuff like that. It was like, like really like uh, invasive on like uh, privacy of like select group of kids for, I want to say no reason. I'm not saying like, you know, I think they, they had their reasons, but like uh, unfair reasons, I'd say. And um, so the, the, the Columbine story is, is the first, the first true crime that I really like obsessed over. And it was more out of like negativity from like, you know, schools and press and the way that they looked at everything, you know? Hmm. That's yeah. That's super interesting. Like, like it's crazy like to come home and like see it on the news and then you know life you know life in school like it's flipped all the way upside down because I, I grew up in like post you know 911 yeah. not not 911 <laughs> mm-hmm. well Freudian slip but post 911 post you know Columbine high schools mm-hmm. so sure. like that environment is completely different from what it was before so yeah. Well, I mean, also, there's there have been like, you know, how many school shootings since then, you know, unfortunately, but uh, all of mine was like the, the, yeah, at least the first one I had ever heard of, you know, so like I thought I get it It was a big deal. Like nobody wants to see kids shot up, you know, Mm -hmm. but the reaction was just like so unfounded. They went after like they kind of went after the the wrong reasons to uh, look into people. Right. Yeah, you listen to heavy metal, you must be a fucking murderer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't mean to get so uh so dark so fast. No, that's all right. <laughs> hey, no, that's okay. you know, uh but you know, it, it was you know, it, it just reminded me of this satanic panic of the eighties, you know. Mm. It was just like another wave of that. You know? I wanted to bring up uh Francis Kano, which you brought up a little bit at you know, mm-hmm. friend. Um, because to me, it's like everyone does a good job this movie, but he stands mm-hmm. out. Like, yeah. like you said, he, that rock star mentality. Like he's really? genuinely yeah. scary in the movie. Like he seems <laughs> so unhinged and unnerved to the point that when we watched Course for Christmas and he showed up, I was like, "Oh no, there he is! <laughs> he's back!" <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it like it's working like, with him? And like, how much of that is just kind of like his personality blending with your character? Yeah. So you know. um, it's it's funny because like you know I did I did base the character on on his real life uh, a, a decent amount, um, but when I first started writing, I actually didn't have any intention to cast him. Um, originally, I was going to ask this guy John to play him. John's actually in uh, uh, one of Francis's bands. John Hayes is his name. They're in a band called Devil Master together, and John has been doing acting for like a long time. Um, with our buddy Hayden Hall so like I was just gonna naturally like ask people that had acting experience to be in the movie you know and um, but then the more I was writing I was like you know 
Francis might be better, even though he's never acted before. I was like, he's got lots of like years of experience performing on stage and bands. I was like, I thought that might just like transfer over well. And I, I honestly think he's like, yeah, like he's one of the most entertaining aspects of the movie because he just, uh, he just, he's, he brings it, you know, he's always entertaining to be around, um, acting or not, you know, um, <laughs> So, I mean, you know, obviously, like, uh, you know, his personality is, like, exaggerated in the movie, and um, uh, he doesn't uh, really kill people or drink blood, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, some of the stuff is is rooted in him, you know, like, he, he, lo- he does love um, uh, Charles Manson lore, and uh, it, the story that he tells about uh, his hometown in Ireland, about the the, the the vampire and the curse and stuff like that's that's all like uh true legend you know legend from his from where he grew up and uh so a lot of you know some of it is really him you know but you know heightened and fictionalized you know yeah, he's great yeah. in the movie oh he's absolutely captivating like every oh he's, yeah he's <laughs> yeah you can't help but just like be fixated on him <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah it's like something you do really well too is like capturing a very human aspect of care of you know of your characters and mm-hmm. and then seeing them go on to become like the the monsters that you base them on right right where it's where it's like with you know the the Richard Chase type character and you know the Rod Farrell type character and in course for Christmas the the lead guy there um they're very intimidating in the, what they're what they're able to uh pull off on screen especially in the course for christmas his performance is very very cold and very um callous and i think it, it the way it's written and performed is so fucking well done yeah well you know i wanted people to um to be able to weirdly relate to to the killers you know which um you, you, there's some movies that do it like that, but it, it's not super common. But I wanted mm-hmm. you, I wanted the audience to kind of, uh, to kind of like these characters despite mm-hmm. being like horrible people. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I I really like movies that are like um of um like from the killer's point of view, stuff like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and um Maniac. You know, um and uh you just kind of like seeing how their minds work where you can almost relate to these people to a point <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um before the snap or just you know or th- or their darker side <laughs> comes <out>. yeah <laughs> uh there's some really good stop uh animation in blood six psychosis uh where did you like pick up a passion for that and like what was it like working in stop animation yeah, so I've been doing stop motion um, for I want I th- I think something about seven or eight years now. I've been doing that. Um, I had um, I originally just like just wanted to try it out for fun one time. Uh, you know, like I I made like a like a commercial for this like brewery I was working at, at the time, and we had made a beer called Moon Trip part one it was named after the very first episode of gumby and i was like wouldn't it be fun if we did a commercial for this beer that was like it took our mascot 
to make them look like Gumby and I don't know. So I just like want tried to teach myself how to do it real quick. And uh, back in the back then, I think like uh, Instagram, you're only allowed like 15 second videos. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make a 15 second Instagram <laughs> um, commercial for this beer. So and it, I don't know. And I liked it. It was fun. And um, and then uh, after I did that, a friend of mine, uh, he was like, oh, I didn't know you do animation. Think you would want to do a music video for my band? I was like, I don't really do animation, but like, sure, I'll try. <laughs> so I went from doing that, just jumping into doing this this music video. And um, and it's a shame because like I didn't really know what I was doing. It's uh, it, It's for this band called The Goddamn Gallows. The video is called Load Your Guns. It's the first music video I ever made. And if you watch it, it's pretty choppy. The animation's not great. I was literally learning as I was going. But it's like my most viewed animation ever. <laughs> like I did like five or six more videos after that for bands that were like are just like not quite as popular as them, you know? Uh so they just don't have as much of a following. So it's like it's weird. I, I think as I got better with animation. <laughs> the views are skewed you know know. so my my worst one i'd say just because it's my first is like my most viewed it's really weird but um but yeah so you know i just started doing the music videos and you know somebody else saw that and they were like yeah would you want to do a video for my band that just led to a handful of those uh and they're you know they're fun to do like i love i loved animation growing up that was stop motion you know like uh henry selick of course and um uh, if you ever watch like Baby Snakes, that the, the um, uh, Br- uh, Bruce Bickford animations that uh, he was like good friends with um, Zappa. Mm. We'd all the all the really really weird animations you see in Zappa videos, where yeah, this guy Bruce Bickford was just like a, an insane inspiration. If you just want to like trip out and watch watch weird animation, Bruce Bickford is the best. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I always loved that shit, and uh, never really meant or sent out set out to be an animator. It just kind of like happened, you know? right? Yeah, it's fun. Where did the idea for a course for Christmas come from? Uh, so um, over the years, I had written a number of uh, like short stories that were Christmas related, and. Um, I just, uh, you know, I always wanted to to write something. You know, none of the stories 100% were, were, were quite what I wanted. But I, you know, I always wanted to do like just sort of like a sad, dreary Christmas story. But after um, having like a mild little success with blood sick psychosis, I was like, I was like, what if I took like one of my old Christmas stories and kind of like turned it into like something more like a horror film instead of just like a i don't know like 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 somber story mm. and uh and i don't know so that was like the genesis of it and then i was reading um i like to read these old like uh like sleazy crime magazines like true detective and you know police detective and uh, shit like that. They were kind of like they look like old tabloid magazines from the seventies and eighties. And um, I was just like reading one of them one day, and it's like has this like insane story about Carol Bundy and and Doug Clark, uh, who were known as like the uh, the Sunset Strip killers. They were like this 
absolutely disgusting necrophiliac serial killer couple. And I was like, no, this would make a fucking story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I was also reading like this old sleazy paperback that was called Yuletide at Homicide or no, Homicide at Yuletide. (laughs) And then in like small print, it had said formerly known as A Corpse for Christmas. (laughs) And I was like, why would they ditch that amazing title? You're right. like, That's a great <laughs> title. So, and then I, but and the book, I read the book, and the book is okay, right? But it's um, no one gets, nobody gets a corpse for Christmas, you know. It's just like it was, it was it's kind of like a, it was kind of like a straightforward like mystery pulp novel who done it, you know. It was okay. It's not all that interesting, but I was like, I was like, waste of a great title. <laughs> right. <laughs> somebody, should, somebody should get a corpse for Christmas to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you overthought that one. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I ended up sort of like merging like uh, the the story of Carol Bundy and Doug Clark um, into uh, into just sort of like a like a you know. Uh, like a sad Christmas story, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, Wyatt in the movie, the guy who wasn't a murderer, he in real life he's based on a guy named Jack Brady, who um, who who was like tied in with uh, Doug and Carol, mm. so their whole story is is kind of true to life, you know. They were right. all, they were all pretty disgusting people. And uh, there's a lot of really just like gross people in like the underground punk scene, despite it being like, I think, an overall like awesome, awesome thing like of subculture. There's there's a, a lot of um, a lot of horrible people, a lot of um, abusive people and just like, uh, I don't know, like sexual predators. And I don't know, like I mm-hmm. Uh, I, just, I wanted to tell that story. I wanted to tell an uncomfortable, gross story, you know? And I, I think you succeed uh, amazingly <laughs> at that. Yeah. Um, because, like, like in, you know, both of your features, like, you're able to capture that very, very well. And, like, capture, like, the bad apples in the, like, punk and metal scenes, but, like, ramped up to, like, 100. Right, <laughs> like, right. In depravity, yeah. anyway. Sure. Yeah. It, and like you talked about it a little bit, but like that idea of like humanizing the killers a little bit, like the character yeah. Izzy for the majority of the film, you really do feel for her and like what she's going yeah. through. And then she just mm-hmm. goes shit. And then you're like, well, you kind of lost me in the end there. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, you, I, mean, now... <laughs> I, I, I think, I think, yeah, at the start of it, Izzy is just sort of like a, like a tragic character. Yeah. She's, um, she just kind of got shitted on like her whole life, you know, like, uh, she's, uh, just like a, a, a one, one shitty, like, uh, boyfriend after another and a horrible upbringing, horrible father. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> and then she, I think it's, yeah, it's just sort of, um, I don't know. This might, this might've been true with Carol Bundy as well. You know, I mean, obviously I don't know these people in real life, but. Uh, to me, it could just kind of seem like, um, uh, you know, a person with just like such a fucked up history that like um, you just sort of like normalize um, uh, like the, the toxic people in your life. You're just sort of used to it. And it's like what you know. And eventually she just sort of goes along for the ride. 
and accepts it and becomes a part of it. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the idea of like the audience, like, you know, loving her and like being on the ride with her (laughs) and then understanding the snap, you know, not, not exactly sympathizing, but like understanding it. (laughs) Yeah. It's also, it's also really cool that you, you bring up the, the dad. Who's played by Joel D. Wankoop, which I thought yeah, was he, fucking amazing. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because it's like, for me, Joel D. Wankoop's an absolute icon. So, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So how did um, you end up getting him in the movie? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a big SOV fan. And uh, yet to me, uh, he's definitely like a legend. And uh, he's another guy that I have sort of interacted with for a long time over the years uh, mostly um, through Facebook because he sells a lot of movies directly um, through Facebook and a lot of his movies you can like mostly just get them from him directly uh, he has an eBay store too so even if you're buying off eBay you might just be buying them right from him so uh, I had just um, you know I'd kind of been talking to him um, you know mostly briefly um, over the years and um, <laughs> I just thought, you know, that, that, that this dad character would be fun to get like, uh, you know, like like a cameo from from somebody. And he was the first person that came to my mind because I was like, this guy, like, you know, he takes any role and amps it up to like 120 percent, you know. And yeah. Uh, and and it's it's really weird because you know like at, you, you watch this scene and it should be just like like gross and horrible and like uncomfortable but he like injects uh like a level of hilarity to it that you know, like i i mean i laugh when i watch it you know and like <laughs> yeah. you kind of shouldn't you know it's like it's like you you know when he's he's got he says that line he's like wait for my daughter to come back <laughs> you know it's like it's, you should not like it but it, but everyone laughs you know it's just so yeah. disgusting that you like have to laugh his delivery is so funny <laughs> <laughs> he's so good man yeah. <laughs> so yeah he was yeah he was really cool about it um you know we had um um I, I had like asked like one other guy about this role who initially was just like, mm, I, I'm, I am not, <laughs> cannot do this. <laughs> so then I, was, I was like, wine people, wine people definitely do it. He had no problem with any of the dialogue and added, added a little bit of his own, like just to really gross it up. Uh, really? Yeah. Really cool. Good sport about it. Yeah. Most people would not want to like play that type of part. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but do anything man you know and 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 he delivers i think you know he's awesome yeah. uh yeah yeah if you ever seen a movie called uh creep it's like it's like my favorite tim ritter movie it is like wine coop to the max man where he's like plays like in like an escape serial killer and it's so like vulgar and and like gross and gory and it's um I don't know. I think about creep a lot. So um, I think he kind of like channeled a little bit of that, like <laughs> creep uh, mm. personality uh, in corpse, which I, I was super happy about. Yeah. Uh, both films feature a lot of metal and punk and, you know, like I said, heavily feature like the punk rock scene. 
what mm-hmm. uh, how does that play into like your writing is that something you're constantly kind of like thinking about like interjecting into film because i think you do such a good job of like really capturing what it feels like going to like these little gigs yeah uh thanks um so yeah i mean i love um i love like heavy metal horror in general you know like uh i'm a huge fan of like movies like rocktober blood and uh rock and roll nightmare and um uh death metal zombies uh shit like that like i just i love this sort of combination of horror and metal and i think i think there's a lot of people out there in the world that are into both you know lots of horror man, mm-hmm. horror fans are into metal lots of metal fans are in horror and i like that crossover a lot and um so um yeah i mean like you know like the the birth of like bloodsick in my head was just like i just had like vampires and metal and true crime and like just sort of all circling around in my brain that's kind of like how it came out and um and i think a lot of and i think it worked a lot with uh with the music also you know i'm just like friends with a shitload of musicians you know i've never been good at music myself but i feel like half of my friends are you know so Hmm. i was like this is like also just like a cool way to feature a lot of my like my buddies you know it's like you know like one of my really good friends like this is a singer the morgul blade i just did a music video for sadistic force i was like and uh you know francis is in spider and devil master you know i was like we can just use all of this you know like and um and uh that's how it how it started it was really just like showing off my friends whereas and then corpse we just amped it up you know like i like i think a lot of people like the heavy metal aspect to it so i was like all right we had one band play in the first movie we're gonna have fucking six in this <laughs> 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 so um, yeah i mean i love i love underground music you know and um, i uh i think it'll always to a certain extent be be a part of like uh my movies you know Mm-hmm. And, and another thing I'll, I'll bring up too is like the music that's used in uh, your movies too. Like, like of course, like you you'll show like the band play, but like if you watch like some, especially some SOV movies that have like a band play, it'll play like the entire performance, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like Jesus. But with you know your stuff, like the band will be playing, you know, in the background, and you'll show you know cut back and forth between mm-hmm. like what's going on in the movie and whatnot, and it, it really like finds a way like to break tension without like disturbing the movie's like progress and i think that's like really shows like a lot of um uh what was the word i'm looking for um i i think it does a great job of like combining both in a way that just it, it just it just works i you know? i, I- I, I'd say I'll uh, agree with you as far as Corpse for Christmas goes, but when I watch Bloodsick, it kind of feels the opposite, where it almost feels like they get to the spider show and the movie stops for like two and a half minutes for their song to play. And I kind of regretted doing it like that because I liked the idea of more of like, you know, they're playing, but like, uh, the, but the story progressing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, I love Spider's performance in Bloodsick, but I, but when I, the way I edit it, I look back on it sometimes now, and I'm like, something should have been happening during that. And um, so I tried one, yeah, with so in Corpse for Christmas. Now, the movie never just stops for a performance. It's always there's something fucking happening during it. And I, I yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I, I like that better. You know, it, it, where the movie feels like 
it doesn't lose the momentum and the story just continues. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like both actually work. Like, I see where you're coming from with uh, Blood City. Yeah. It was just, but, like, it always, like, the being there and being at those gigs feel like part of who these people are and what they do. That's true. So, mm-hmm. it just felt, for me, it just felt natural that they would be there. Yeah. That. And kind of just hang and, uh that's true. I mean, I mean, I did try to just do like with Bloodsick. I'm like, you're going, you're like, you're going to a show, right? You're you're going with this character, you know, and like uh, he shows up by himself, and, you know, he gets a drink. He kind of looks around, sees his buddy that he knows, talks to him for a bit, watches <laughs> the act, then he talks about going to get a gun with Francis. <laughs> As a natural progression, I think, you know. But no, it is kind of like what it is. You know, it's like you go to these backyard shows, and you know, you just, I, it, I, I do think it does. That is what it feels like to go to a show. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that scene cracked me up, man. Where it's like, <laughs> it's like that, like they're talking about like like political correctness and stuff like that. And it's like you got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the the funny thing about that is right. That was um. That's the first scene that we had shot with Francis, and uh, it was so loud in that yard when we were filming that um, the only one that could hear the lines was our sound guy, Ryan, who had the boom mic, where everyone else, we had to stand far enough away to not be in the shot, and we couldn't hear anything that they were saying, and... Um, in hindsight, we should have done a couple takes, I think. But I was like, Ryan, how did that sound to you? Because like, uh, I just see their mouths moving, and Ryan didn't really know the script, so he's like, I, you know, everything sounded good on my end, <laughs> like he recorded it, <laughs> and we were like, all right, cool, one take, got it. <laughs> and uh, and there's, it's funny because if you watch that scene, you can you can see the moment where they forget their lines where you know where there's like this pause where they forget what they're supposed to say and but then they get back to it you know but i was like you know i don't have any other take or any other angle to cut mm-hmm. <laughs> so but you know again it was my first movie and that was like our first full day of filming first day with mm-hmm. francis and it was a def- definitely a learning curve i'm like all right i know to get coverage in the future <laughs> <laughs> was like there's a scene in the course of christmas that like had that same vibe to me like it's like you want to go uh walk around and look at the lots and he just like stares into the room <laughs> forever well <laughs> so yeah i mean i definitely could have cut that earlier but i loved that the way josh's <laughs> eyebrows lift up like and he, he pauses for five seconds and then his eyebrows just go way up and I, I just loved it so much that i was like i'm leaving it exactly like this and that, that was the right choice because i loved that scene yeah <laughs> so good yeah i think i think a lot of other people probably would have cut that earlier but no i love the dramatic pause there <laughs> it's it's so funny um <laughs> but yeah, like another thing I'll, I'll bring up real fast is like, man, like the tonal shifts that you're able to bring to your movies are like are so well done. Like the like the way like some of the the, com- the, the comedic elements are is done versus like the really like gritty and really you know fucked up aspects of the movies are yeah. done so fucking well. Thank you. Like, um. 
like is there any like like inspiration for that or is that just something that came naturally to you um or uh are you talking about like the 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 more gruesome stuff you're talking or i i was talking like um or the shifts themselves yeah the shifts themselves i didn't know if that just came naturally to you or yeah um yeah i i don't know if i have any sort of specific inspiration for that um yeah i mean you know the i think i think yeah life just sort of like story has changes and um I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I have an answer for that. I don't think I have any specifics. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I, you know, I think it's pretty natural that um, you know people can go from from being sort of like a like a lovable person to like a like a horrible person in the blink of an eye. You definitely see that in real life. You know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's uh, what's next on the lawn? So, well, I'm um, I'm currently in pre-production for a new movie. Um, I don't have a title yet. I, you know, for whatever reason, both of my movies didn't have a title until like the end. You know, like we 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 picked a title after we shot the whole thing. Um, but it's going to be a witchcraft film also going to be a bit of a lesbian romantic drama and of course it's based on true crime um this one takes a lot of inspiration from the philadelphia poison ring um there's an actress that i worked with in corpse for christmas um named ossuary angel Mm. who is uh she's now going by zoe angeli uh, but um, she, um, I think, really enjoyed her time on Corpse. I've, you know, I've, I've known, I've known them for a long time, but uh, you know, that was the first time we ever worked together, and um, it was kind of a smaller role. And uh, so we decided we, you know, we wanted to do something uh, with where where she could play like a, you know, like a, a bigger role, and. Um, she had some really cool ideas for a story. I had some really cool ideas. And then um, one of my uh, good buddies, um, Josh Schaefer, um, came to me with a, a story idea. And uh, I'm sort of taking um, and kind of I wrote a script that's sort of like part Josh's story, part Zoe's story, and then part true crime and my own story. And, um and that sort of turned into this like a uh, cool little like uh, lesbian witchcraft story, and uh, we're looking to shoot that in January, like at the end of January next year. And um, Josh Schaefer, by the way, runs this awesome magazine called Lunch Meat VHS. If, oh if, shit! Yeah. So if 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 you know Lunch Meat VHS, yeah, Josh from that company. Um, he's he uh, so he co- he co-wrote the script with me. Um, and uh, is going to be starring it as well. So it'll it'll have it'll have Zoe and it'll have Josh, and um, we have this uh, awesome actress named uh, Morgan Thompson, uh, mm-hmm. who's going to uh, be in it. Um, she's uh, I know her as like a Donald Farmer actress, but uh, she's done like a, 
uh, a bunch of other really cool stuff too. She's in this like gory nun movie called Intinction. I really liked her in Debbie Does Demons, the the newest uh, Don Farm Donald Farmer movie. Um, so that is in the works. Um, finalizing the script, it's like basically done. Uh, and um, yeah, so that'll be um, that'll be next. So yeah, we shoot the end of January, so it'll probably come out. I don't know, sometime late next year. You know, maybe like uh, maybe fall next year or something might be out. Uh, and awesome. then um, yeah, what else? You know, I'm doing. Um, I'm hosting uh, Jared Bookwalter in Philadelphia, uh, also at the end of January. He's got his first movie in 20 years coming out. Um, if you don't know J.R. Bookwalter, he was an SOV legend as well. Uh, Kingdom of the Vampire and Ozone are two of my like favorite shot-on-video movies ever made. Um, so him and uh, James L. Edwards are coming to Philadelphia to screen. Um, Side Effects May Vary is the name of the movie. And um, yeah, sorry, I, I had nothing to do with that movie or anything. I'm just like hosting their Philly premiere. Um, and then um, we also, yeah, we just shot a short for an upcoming Janice Click film. Um, Janice Click is this like weird collective out of Missouri. Um, they make a lot of like really strange shot on video movies. Um, and uh they have a movie called shred crack <laughs> that's that they're working <laughs> on so we just we shot a small little segment for that um and then i also did a short segment for uh i think you might i forget if you mentioned this before after we started recording but the video arena has put out an animation anthology called exquisite desolation uh that is uh shipping now brand new uh, that's like, tw- I think it's like 20 different animators all submitted shorts. Uh, my segment is a mixture of claymation and shot of video footage uh, called Chases of Death, uh, you know, which is uh, a name I came up with in Blood Six Psychosis. What else? Uh, oh, you know what? Um, this has been out for a bit, but I don't know that a lot of people know that it exists. Um, there's a documentary that Hugh Gallagher made. Um, called Wake the Dead. It's uh, about the making of his movie Gorotica from uh, mm. one of the best shot on video movies in the, in the 90s. And um, so I was, uh, I'm featured in that documentary. Um, it's one of my favorite uh, SOVs. And that recently came out uh, through SRS. There's a, there's like a Hugh Gallagher box set called the Gore Trilogy, where it's got Gorgasm, Gorotica, and Gore Horror, and it also has, um, uh, it's I mean, it's pretty much like all of his movies, you know that, and uh, and the documentary, really awesome box set, and then there's also another fairly new documentary I worked on called Zero Budget Heroes about uh, Chris C- Chris Siever. Uh I did some claymation uh, for that doc. And um, oh yeah, and then I'm shooting another music video. I haven't done a music video in a long time, so we're I'm, we're about to shoot a music video for uh, this band called Morgul Blade, um, who uh, they were featured in Blood Six Psychosis, the end credits song. Uh, fantastic, epic fantasy metal band. Um, if you like shit like Lord of the Rings, but with guitars, like check them out. You know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much everything. Um, 
you know uh, we'll have some sov legends uh in that witch movie too um uh i don't like to like mention until like we shoot them because you know every once in a while people drop out or things happen but i think we have like three pretty like legendary sov actors uh that will appear in that movie if all goes well uh so keep your eye out for that and um yeah we shoot and shoot in january maybe i'll have a trailer by the spring or something awesome yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i know we're looking forward to everything genuinely not just saying it because you're on the show we love Uh, your work thank you I've watched Blood Six Psychosis twice in basically a week now. I fucking love it. I love all three of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do, you, do you have a favorite of the three? I just out of curiosity. I do think Blood Six Psychosis is my favorite by just a small cool. margin. Sure. Cool. That's um. Yeah. No. I. I uh, I'm always just curious, you know, because uh, to to me they're all they're all pretty different. And Blood Six has definitely been my biggest hit so far. Um, and uh, I think I think Corpse will probably find a bigger audience now that Christmas yeah. is about to come out. You know, oh yeah, um, and we it hasn't had a Christmas yet. You know, we did a, a, a Christmas in July release of it. You know, because I shot it around Christmas last year, but I wanted to get it out, and I didn't want to wait till the holidays, so I did Christmas in July. And I'm hope I'm hoping this holiday season people. Uh, check it out. I think it'll be a new uh, festive, joyous film to watch with family and friends over yes. their holiday season. <laughs> yeah. Gather around grandma and watch A Course of Christmas. It's the perfect family <laughs> picture. Yeah. It's, but, the, uh, it's the best uh, necrophilic family movie you'll watch. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> you know, we threw, we threw a lot of Christmas stuff in there. You know, like it is a filthy, uh, it is a filthy necrophilia um perverted uh thing but it, you know there's also you'll see a lot of really cool christmas stuff in there you know like we filmed that there, there's this old uh an old south philly uh christmas staple called kindy's christmas outlet it's an old uh it's an old tinsel factory that has you can buy decorations that are like 20 to 30 years old still there it's just shit that's just been sitting around in their factory and there's an old uh animatronic walkthrough called g-boys which is like a yeah just all weird animatronics that they haven't changed since the 80s i've been going there since i was a kid and um we we also filmed at the miracle on 13th street which is like a south philly like christmas light walkthrough there's so much crazy christmas shit in there that like you can't help but not get in the holiday spirit you know <laughs> like like I, I can't lie to you like after watching uh of course for christmas i i definitely finally got into the christmas spirit so <laughs> awesome. it was our first christmas movie of the season so yeah, yeah. awesome cool um i know you kind of plugged yeah, everything yes. but uh where can everybody get your stuff at uh yeah so you can um there's a few different places you can get it uh the best way place to get it is from uh my own website it's uh bloodsickproductions.bigcartel.com um i do i i all do all my updates are on instagram bloodsick productions uh and you can also get our movies from makeflix.com or diabolic dvd um two awesome awesome uh horror low budget um distributors they're buddies of ours um 
And uh, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other places you can get them to in stores and shit, but make flicks, Diabolic DVD, or my own Bloodstick Productions, Big Cartel, are like the three easiest places to find them. Hell yeah. And everybody needs uh, oh oh you know what uh lunch meat vhs might still have a couple copies of blood six psychosis on vhs they were getting low so by the time this comes out they might have a couple copies they might be out by now but uh if you're tape people you know mm-hmm. hell yeah well cool. thank you again for coming on we greatly appreciate it and uh yeah everybody go buy his movies they're fucking great yeah. thanks yes. john and thanks matt appreciate it